Well, after three weeks, finally, I've been preaching on Noah, we finally get to the flood today. And so maybe we can go ahead and have the flood and then that way afterwards we won't have any more rain, right? Well, we are talking about the flood today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 7. If you want to turn there, we'll be looking through that in just a moment. When I was a child, I was obsessed with space. I, if there was a picture, I mean, I, we had almanacs, we had uh, encyclopedias, uh, we had, of course, the TV, and we had uh, all of these resources that I just, I was enthused with space. I remember one time that uh, my parents actually took me to uh, Florida, to the Space Center, Cape Canaveral, I believe, uh, down in Florida. And uh, it was just amazing to be able to see some of the spaceships that had uh, traveled off of this planet into the heavens and onto the moon. It's just amazing when you think about even now we're sending unmanned spaceships and experimental equipment to Mars. Uh, It's just amazing that we would look for life somewhere else when we have life. Right here. But it's just amazing that that in the race for space that there were people that were smart enough that God had given the intuition to be able to figure out with all of the mathematical certainty of what it would take, what the gravitational forces would take to be able to send a man into space and to bring them back. It just blows my mind. And I could just sit on the, the steps at night and gaze into the heavens forever and just think about what it was like to be there, to go up into the heavens. Well, there's one man that many people will remember. His name was Neil Alden Armstrong. He was the first American astronaut to ever walk on the moon. And uh, he was the commander of the Apollo 11. And on July of 1969... This mission, he and Buzz Aldrin descended to the surface of the moon and spent two and a half hours exploring. Their other crewmate, Michael Collins, remained in orbit so that he could rendezvous with them when they were finished. Once Armstrong and Aldrin were ready to go outside, Eagle was depressurized, Eagle was the moonlander, and the hatch was opened and Armstrong made his way down the ladder first. At the bottom of the ladder, Armstrong said, I'm going to step off the LEM now. He then turned and set his left boot on the surface at exactly 2.56 universal time on July 21st, 1969. Then he spoke the famous words, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. All the events and pursuits of Neil Armstrong's life led him to that moment. That time is serving a Navy, serving as a Navy fighter pilot in the Korean War, of being a member of the Gemini 8 space program, being a member of the Apollo program, having his wife and three kids, even having a daughter at two years old, Pass away because of health problems. 
All of these things went together to make Neil Armstrong who he was. Now, I'm not preaching him as a saint, but I am trying to get across the theme of this morning is that everything that happened in Neil Armstrong's life led him to that left boot being put on the moon. That was the day Neil Armstrong was destined for. But you know what? Buzz Aldrin also had a destiny. Can you show the next picture? You see also Buzz Aldrin, it's not history making, but he was the second man to set foot on the moon. And as we said earlier, Michael Collins continued to orbit the moon so that they could get in the moon lander and get back up and rendezvous and come back home. You don't hear much about Buzz Aldrin, and you certainly don't hear much about Michael Collins because they weren't the first. But I want you to understand, it was their destiny to be there. They're in that picture. They were part of that movement. And when we think about destiny in our lives, we may not always be the main character. We may not always get the glory. And as a matter of fact, Neil Armstrong spent his entire life saying that he was not a hero. He would not do interviews. He would not do autograph signings. He would not have fan clubs. He didn't want that. But either way, all three of those men on that day had a destiny that would change the world in the space race forever. Folks, Christians have a destiny. We as Christians have an eternal destiny. Just as those who are not Christians have an eternal destiny. But we know that one day when we draw our last breath here, we will draw our next breath in our destiny. Whether it be in heaven with God or in hell separated from God. But we also have a destiny right here, right now, in this moment. Whether you be a student that is trying to get your grades up so that you can do something with your life, or maybe that boat has sailed past you a long time ago and you might think, listen, I'm on on, uh, retirement, I've done my deeds, I'm just going to sit around and wait to die. That is not a plan for living. It doesn't matter what your age is. God is not done with you. Noah was 600 years old, okay? So I think he had a few years on everybody in here. We all Don't let Satan make you think that because you are a certain age, either too young, too old, too busy, too, too whatever, that you do not have a destiny. You do. And we find that destiny in the daily choices by being obedient. Because the steps and the choices that we make today will establish where we are in the future. Whether you're an astronaut or a mother or a father, a wife, a husband, an investor, an inventor, a doctor, a lawyer, a missionary, a pastor, a deacon, or just a faithful member of this church. It doesn't matter who you are. In your destiny, the steps that you make today affect your tomorrow. And every one of us will have a day of reckoning 
But is it too far to think that maybe God has called you and me to something more than just coming to church and sitting in a pew week after week after week? Folks, I'm not an entertainer. I'm a preacher. If I were an entertainer, I could make a lot more money at the Carolina Opry. Or go to Branson, where people pay a lot of money to see me. But folks, what I'm preaching here today is that we see in Noah, we saw in the first two chapters that the world was depraved and the world was wicked. And God needed one person of faith. To make a difference. You may be that one person today. For this church. You may be this one person today. For your family. For your job place. But what we see here. In finding the day that we are destined for. As we look at Noah. We see that God invites us. To find our destiny. In him. God invites us to find our destiny. In Him. Yes, we all have a destiny. We all have a place that we are to be. But the difference is, are we doing it within God's will or out of God's will? Noah was doing it within God's will. Let's look at verses 1 through 10 of chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and all of your household. For I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. I want you to see something very important in the first verse. Is that the invitation to get in the ark came from God. It wasn't like Noah was just sitting around and counting sheep or whatever else and saying, Okay, those are the last two. Let's, let's close her up and let's get ready. No. God told Noah to build the ark, and he also told Noah when to go inside of it. We see in verse 2, you are to take with you seven pairs, a male and its female, and all of the clean animals, and two of the animals are not clean, a male and its female, and seven pairs, male and female, of the birds in the sky, in order to keep offspring alive in the face of the whole earth. And I know right now y'all are just like saying, okay, those are a bunch of numbers and animals, I get it. But it's going to be uh, important in just a moment. In verse 4, seven days from now, I will make it rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe off the face of the earth, every living thing I have made. And Noah did everything that the Lord had commanded him. Verse 6 says, Noah was, yes, it's right, 600 years old when the deluge came and water covered the earth. So Noah, his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives entered the ark because of the waters of the deluge. From the clean animals, unclean animals, animals, birds, and every creature that crawls on the ground, two of each male and female entered the ark with Noah just as God had commanded him. Seven days later, the waters of deluge came on the earth. God invited Noah. God did, uh, Noah did what God asked. And then we see that Noah did everything. I told you a moment ago that we see in the very first part that God was inviting Noah to enter the ark. He does the same thing to us today. 
The same invitation that God gave Noah to come into the ark to be saved is the same invitation that He issues to you and I today to those who will believe in Him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, He says, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let me show you something. There's a, a theology. When you look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you can see a theology, a, a structure of the way that it is written. There are th- certain themes that you can see. And number one, you see that in all of Genesis, God is the creator. What does that say to you and to me? There is one God and we are not him. God is creator. We need to worship our creator, not created things. God is creator. The second thing we see is God takes sin seriously. My friend, just because you don't get busted for a sin you have right there when it happens, it does not mean that you got an escape from it. God takes sin seriously. You know, we, we hear people say all the time, well, I'm just human, Pastor. Well, I, you know me, that, that's just who I am. Okay, it's sin. And God takes sin seriously. Whether it be the sin that I have or you have, we are all sinners. And to think that we can just have this stay in our lives and not get rid of it is a lie. Because God is creator, God takes sin seriously, and God's judgment, God's judgment meets human sin at each point. When we sin, we will be judged for that. We see that in the flood, do we not? And then also the fourth thing we see is the presence and the preservation of God's grace. The presence and the preservation of God's grace. Hang with me for a moment. I mean, just everybody look up just for a second. Look up just for a second. When you look at the story of Noah and you look at the flood, yes, God was angry. Yes, his heart was broken because his creation had turned their back on him. But yet, in the midst of his anger, in the midst of his judgment, he is also showing through Noah and the ark that he loves us by his grace because his presence is with Noah every step of the way. And he is preserving his creation. Through Noah and his family. Why is that? Because of God's grace. How can we as sinners worship a holy God? Because of his grace. And we see a theme in the Old Testament. Which is is throughout the entire Old Testament. That is basically God spares many because of the righteous of a few. God spares many for the righteousness of a few. As I've shared before, God, and I'm not, I'm not bragging because I'm not braggable, if that's even a word. There's nothing about me to brag because I'm a chief sinner just like you are. But I remember as a teenager going to church and that having an impact on my parents going to church. Grandparents, if you drug your kids to church, good for you. I never understood how parents can say, if you don't want to go to church, you don't have to. They will regret that. I was a druggie. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. 
And I am grateful for it. And the faith that, I've seen it time and time again, the faith that one father might have, the faith that one mother might have, the faith that one child might have, it does make a difference in the family. It makes a difference. Those of you that have faith in this church, it makes a difference. Those of you that have faith, it does make a difference in the world. Why does God not shut the doors of Homeland Park Baptist Church today? It doesn't make sense. We live in an area that has declined. We are not in the most popular area in the world. We have people that, we have crime around us. We have all of these other things that are around us that are bad for people. Why has God not just shut the doors? Because we have people of faith in here. And as long as there is people of faith, he is still going to be God. He is still going to be powerful. And do not give up on that fact. God is not done with Homeland Park Baptist Church. God is not done with you, my friend. Though you may be at the beginning of your life or near the end of your life, you have a destiny. You have a purpose. And God is showing this. God is at work today, and we are to join him in that. We see that also God prepared Noah For do different things. God prepared Noah to worship and to survive. Remember I told you we were reading all about those animals. We see there that it was more than just two of every kind of animal that they had to put on the ark. Why in the world would he he tell Noah to have so many clean animals? Because... They still had to sacrifice. When the boat finally would stop and the water stopped, they still had to worship. Worship was a priority for God and it was a priority for Noah. Second thing is, it goes back to God's preservation. They had to eat. God told them exactly what to do because he wanted to make sure that they survived and they would worship. When Noah got out of the ark, it says he offered clean beasts as sacrifices. Noah needed the clean animals to eat for his family as well. Scholars believe, how many animals do you think could have fit in the ark? What do you think? Just give me, throw a number out. 2,000? Higher? 500? A lot more than 500. 500,000? Not quite. Scholars that are much smarter than me have estimated that the ark could have held 45,000 animals. 45,000 animals. And also, we see in verses 4 through 10, it says, For seven days the world could have knocked at the door of the ark. For seven days, as they saw lines of animals going into this wooden boat, do you think that maybe when they were walking by, going to their their um, their their store or their hangout, that they thought, huh, there's a long line of animals going into that boat. For seven days, any of them could have said, hey, I want to go. But they didn't. What we see here is that the saved, those that are under God's provincial care, have a destiny, but so do 
the lost. It never says that God did not allow those that did not believe onto the ark. The invitation was there, but nobody wanted it. Just like today, churches should be packed. Not so that we can say we have a great attendance, but just so people can hear instructions from the Word and hear God speak to them. But they don't. Every, every week our doors are open and there are people driving by Abbeville Highway right now, just like those people that walked by the ark and thought, oh, there, there's church. I can't tell you. I can go anywhere in this town and somebody's going to say, I was either baptized at Homeland Park Baptist Church or I was a part of the bus ministry at Homeland Park Baptist Church, or I did something with Homeland Park Baptist Church. Where are you going now? I don't go to church anywhere now. Well, come on back. We're having a good time. The second thing we see is that true believers realize their destiny is in God's hands. Their destiny is in God's hands. In Genesis chapter 7, verses 11 through 20, we see that in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventh day of the month, on that day, all the sources of the watery depths burst open. The floodgates of the skies were opened, and the rain fell on the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. On the same day, Noah, along with his sons, entered the ark. They entered it with all the wildlife, according to their kind, the livestock, every creature that crawls on the ground. Verse 15, two of all flesh that has the breath of life in it entered the ark with Noah. Verse 16, those that entered male and female of all flesh entered just as God had commanded them. Then what does it say, church? It's an open book test. Look there. It says, then the Lord shut him in. Then the Lord shut him in. Noah didn't close the door. God closed the door. And 17, the deluge continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The waters surged and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the water. Then the waters surged even higher on the earth, and the high mountains under the whole sky were covered. The mountains were covered as the waters surged above them more than 20 feet. Can you just imagine this? That Noah, he'd been made fun of. His family probably thought, why in the world are we doing this? And he thought, at the time, God, Noah really thought that God was speaking to them. They had never seen rain. And then all of a sudden, everything that God had told them, all the work that he had put into it, everything that he had been through in his life, the pain, the ridicule, the suffering, was justified in that moment. Because God said the flood was coming, and it came. And God's hand was moving back and forth on this earth as water burst out through the grounds like geysers. And this canopy of water just fell. I mean, (laughs) I love a good water park. Y'all like water parks? Man, I love water parks. And my my, my favorite attraction 
on the water park is not one of the slides. I mean, they're fun. They're, they're cool and everything. And the Lazy River is really awesome. But the thing that I really love is those big, like, water tree houses. You know what I'm talking about? Well, it's like, it's like, it's like a, a tree house, but, like, there's, like, nozzles of water and streams of water everywhere. And we went to this one one time, and I don't know which park it was in, but it had this huge bucket at the top of it. Oh, man. I mean, it was, it was about, the bucket was about as big as a fourth of the sanctuary. And it would fill up, and then you would just wait, and then you would wait, and then tip, it would tip over. Whoosh! I mean, just thousands of gallons of water would just fall on you. Man, I'm telling you what, that was awesome. I'm sitting there on a hot summer day, letting water fall all over you is just amazing. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. Now, granted, most of the most of the people in there were kids, but you know, I was having a good time. But I just I just kind of thought when I was putting this message together, as awesome as it was to stand under that bucket when all that water fell, when it says deluge of water fell on this earth, it was raining. Thousands of gallons of water. It, it was not just like a hard rainstorm. I mean, it was massive. It was massive. What we see in that is that God's judgment was total. Just like his love and just like his grace. People don't like to hear about it when I preach it. And people don't like to hear about it when they study it. But God does judge sin. And we see as his arm went back and forth on this earth, his judgment was being shown to those who were wicked. I cannot imagine Noah and his family hearing the screams of the people that made fun of him that were now drowning. Do you think Noah was on the, the bow of his boat going, ha, 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 I told you so. You thought I was crazy? Who's crazy now? That's what we would like to think we could do, but that was not what Noah was doing. I'm sure that he was thankful that his family was okay and that he did what God had called him to do. And I'm sure if he would have been like me, his heart was breaking for those that didn't take him seriously. Noah trusted God in the details. God took care of everything except for one thing. God didn't build the boat. Could God have just made the boat appear? Of course he could have. Why do you think he used Noah? Because he wanted to build character in Noah. Listen to me, Christian. Listen to me today. And listen well. God has got a purpose in your life. And all of the good things and all of the bad things, whether it be by your choice or not your choice at all, everything that has happened in your life is for the reason. And God has taken care of everything before you are even born. God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. God is all-present. God is all-powerful. God is watching over you. And He has already got everything worked out. He is just asking you to be a person of faith and build the boat. 
to find where he is working and to jump in. God took care of all the details. I just love, I mean, it just, it blows my mind that, that we talked last week a little bit about this, that, that in the ark there was only one door. And we said that that was significant of it being Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to salvation. And God shut the door on the ark. Why is that important? When that ark closed, it was not Noah judging the people, but it was God. It was only something God can do. And there are people that they'll say that that so-and-so has said something to them that has judged them and they feel bad about that. Well, I'm telling you what, if the person was godly and they meant it with all biblical truth, the person they should be mad at is not the person that gave them the news, but it God himself. Because God does judge. And then we see that Noah experienced the day he was destined for. Verses 21 through 24 say this. All flesh perished. Creatures that crawl on the earth, birds, livestock, wildlife, and all the creatures that swarm on the earth as well as all Mankind. Everything. Check this out. Everything with the breath of the spirit of life in his nostrils. Everything on dry land died. If you just go back. What? Five, six chapters to the beginning. Where it says. God Breathe the breath of life into Adam. God gave the breath of life to everything that he created. And to see in the matter of six chapters, it was all taken away. Folks, it's God's decision when he gives life. And it's God's decision when he takes it away. And I don't understand how. And I don't understand why. But I know that it's because he is all-knowing. He knows more than we know. And he wants to build up people that will be men and women of faith. And he wants people to trust him. Everything happens for a reason. And it is not for us to question. We can, but we are not going to get the answers until we're on the other side of heaven. And Noah experienced the day he was destined for. We see that in verse 23, he wiped out every living thing that was on the surface of the ground, from mankind to livestock to creatures that crawl on the birds of the sky, and they were wiped off the earth. Only Noah was left, and those that were with him in the ark, and the waters surged on the earth a hundred and fifty days. There was no joy in the I told you so's. Noah found no consolation in in knowing that the people that had made fun of him were now dead. Life ceased to exist. God took that away. God himself was enraged. He was disappointed. And he was hurt. All the while... 
as God's hand was going across this earth and killing everything and, and starting over, as he looked at his ark, as he looked at the ark that Noah built, you know what God saw? You know what God saw in the ark? His son, Jesus Christ. Because he knew that that would be next. There are some comparisons I want to share with you as we close between the ark and Jesus Christ. The ark and Jesus Christ. This was a picture of uh, an artist that kind of uh, redid the, or kind of made a mock-up of the ark. And if you notice, the cross beams in the ark, they go up and down and left to right. They form a cross. Let me show you on this next slide some of the things that they have in common. Number one, both were God's provision. Both of those were things that God provided. God provided the materials and the plans to Noah to build the ark. God provided his son. Number two, God reveals his plans to Noah. But you know what? God will reveal his plans to you through his Holy Spirit. How does someone come to Christ? Is there anything that we can humanly do to gain salvation? Absolutely not. It is because God reveals Himself to that person. Salvation is our response, but it's God's initiative. God initiates that. Both of them required sacrifice. Noah had to cut down some trees to make the ark, don't you think? It wasn't like he could go to Home Depot and get a truck to deliver it and drop it off. He had to cut down trees. He had to do everything by hand. But if you go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, Daniel is a book of prophecy. And Daniel 9, 26 says, After those 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the coming prince will destroy the city and the sanctuary, the end will come with flood, and until there will be war. Desolations are decreed. We see that just as the wood was cut down, so was Jesus Christ. He was cut down. Also, both are a refuge from God's judgment. Both are a refuge from God's judgment. An ark of wood protected Noah. An ark of leaves and brush sewn together protected Moses. An ark, Jesus Christ, protects us on the earth. And the next one. Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. Finally, in 5, God invited Noah inside the ark. And God invites us to accept Jesus Christ. I have closed with this verse many times in the last few weeks. And I'm going to do it again because it says it no plainer than I need to say. In Romans 10, Anna says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with his heart and confesses with their mouth, resulting in salvation. 
You have got a destiny. Don't let the devil make you think that you're done. The only things that are done are stakes. God is not finished with you until you take your last breath. And He is looking for men. He is looking for women of faith that are willing to be obedient to find the day that they were destined for. If you are one of those people that have not had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know that if, if you would have been back then, if you'd have been living, and the ark would have closed up, you would have been on the one on outside of the boat. You could have salvation today. Because we know one day that another flood is coming. No, it's not going to be water. It's going to be fire. If it happened once, it'll happen again. There is going to be a judgment. But with that judgment, there is God's grace. If you need God's grace, you can come forward this morning. I'll pray with you. If you'd like to join the church, the altars are open. This time is for you. Would you stand?